Hi, everyone. Hello. Uh, we are the Healing Snowflakes. Um, I'm Jenny. And um, today we're here to talk about grief. And this is my first recording. So, you know, we're talking about something nice and light. Well, not really. It's very heavy. <laughs> And uncomfortable but it is something that um, we all have in common so it's something that I wanted to discuss with uh, some friends who have gone through grief and or is currently in, uh, in the grieving process um, and the reason why I wanted to do this is because as morbid as it sounds grief is something that we can't escape right mm -hmm. whether you're experiencing it right now or in the past it's coming for you because life has, we all know that life has an expiry date. And like I said, even if you haven't experienced it yet, it's coming. So what I've noticed since I've experienced grief is that I was never really taught tools to learn how to deal with it. And it really shifted me as a person. And the one thing that I knew uh, the one thing I knew what that worked and that started to heal me was that I was connecting with people who was going through it and sharing my experience. So that's our aim for today because death has become extremely sanitized in the last 10 to 20 years. And it's not something that is not even 10 to 20 years since forever, really. Mm. And it's it's a natural life process. Everyone goes through grief all of the time. So why it has it become so sanitized to the point where it's so uncomfortable that we never ever want to talk about it again. So I am joined by two wonderful ladies who will join me in this conversation. Their names are Janice and Hello. Sabrina. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they are going to share some personal stories of loss with me. And uh, I'm really grateful that they're allowing themselves this vulnerability and Possibly, um, it's, well, I know that from talking to them that it's one of the most saddest moments in their life. And being able to share that with everybody is like a gift, really, because it makes you feel less alone in the grieving process. And yeah, that's our aim for today. So I wanted to, um, the reason why I wanted to get two people on is because we both, we all have different types of grief and it's as unique as our fingertips and we all go through it differently in a sense that, um, so for example, I lost my stepdad back in 2019 and I lost him through cancer and I anticipated his death Whereas I know that there's people out there who loses somebody instantly. And that's what I mean about grief being unique because my type of grief would be entirely different to somebody else going through that one, through that who might have lost a child suddenly or um, losing somebody through cancer. All of a sudden they didn't know, they didn't really know that person that well. That person is still grieving. So we are going to be sharing our stories today and hopefully help people to lift some of the burden of grief by being able to share their stories. So um, Janice and Sabrina, um, I would like you both to introduce yourselves and tell us briefly about your personal story of loss. So Sabrina, do you wanna go first? Yeah, 
so I'm Sabrina. And, um, well, I've had a few losses. It's not just, like, mm. one. But my main loss, I would say, was my children's dad. Mm. Because, like, we grew up together. I was with him for 24 years. Yeah. Like, when my mum passed away, he was there for me, the support, everything. So I didn't even deal with my mum's grief, which is another thing which you you know when you're grieving you don't even realize mm. but that was the biggest loss for me because he was like my best friend i'll call him and tell him everything we grew up together from mm. like 14 from 14 to 16 we were like literally together all the time and that hit me the most because it was a sudden death right and i find with a sudden death <coughs> you're not prepared you don't know what's going to happen and hearing all that is can be overwhelming as well yeah so this isn't the first loss that you've experienced in your adult life? No. It's not. So it was my mum. Mm. Well, how old were you, were you when you lost your mum? I was 24 when I lost my mum. Mm. So she was 42. Mm. And she died of, from a heart problem, which was caused by alcohol. Mm. Then my when my uncle died before my mum, which was due to alcohol, mm. then after that, my nan, my dad's mum, she died alcohol. Right. And then obviously Darren. And then two years, that, that, that last year, mm. I lost three good friends, three close wow. friends. I was there, I watched them. Mm. <coughs> like, they're going through their dying stages. I went to the hospital. I went to one hospital. One was dying there. Went to the other hospital. The mm. other one was dying. And I saw them kind of like take their last breaths. Like, and that. Is proper. So grief and loss has really played a massive yeah. part in your life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that, Sabrina. Um, Janice, your turn. Um, so I would say I was lucky in the fact that I managed to walk around obliviously realizing that grief was a thing mm. <laughs> for most of my adult life. I lost my grandparents, but uh, as much as I loved them, it didn't deeply, deeply affect me until um, in the space of the last two years. So I lost my nan. Uh, who just was amazing mm. and it was you know she was an older woman but it was completely unexpected mm. um so we were sad about that um and then we lost my mum mm. uh literally almost a year later and then we lost my auntie um so for me it's been yeah in the last two years I've had three very significant losses it's the first time I've had people really close to me die so mm. it was, it's been quite hard mm. thank you for that janice um and this is <coughs> what this is what i mean when i was saying earlier about grief is so unique in everyone in a sense that you both knew these people and you didn't know the people that they lost so you are going through that grief yeah. in a way that you that nobody else can really experience or realize. So um, just hearing those stories, obviously I know a little bit about it from you being my friends mm. and Sabrina, I know that uh, Darren, mm. who is your yeah. um, children's father is actually, um, is it my partner's nephew? Yes. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's, um, my partner, my Darren was my partner's nephew, so his sister's son. Mm. And the difference between both of your grief is that you 
Well, you've both actually experienced the different types of grief, which is anticipating a loss and the shock of losing mm. somebody suddenly. And, mm. you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's really only two types that you can lose somebody and mm. that's anticipating and suddenly. Yeah. Um, so what I want to try and do with this... Um, Um, what I want to try and do with our talk is that I want to be able to basically dissect the feelings and the ex the, um, the stages of grief. So I've been doing some research and I believe that there are, from what I've uh, researched, is that there are five stages of grief. And these are all stages that I've experienced myself. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in this order, mm. but the stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Like I said, it doesn't, ne doesn't necessarily have to be in that order, but these are all, uh, these are all feelings that will surface when you lose somebody. Mm. So what we're gonna do is go through each stages and share our experience with this with uh, with these um, different steps of grief, basically. So we're going to relate each specific stage to our personal loss, and um, my aim is to help those of you who recognise that knowing these stages might aid you to to navigate the different types of feelings that will come up and inevitably inevitably come after you lose someone or you know that you're about to. So the first one is denial. So denial, you know what the word means, it's refusal to believe or face the truth in something. So you try to carry on like it's nothing and you sort of think in your head, is this a crisis when you're about to hear that you might lose somebody and it's that anticipation that will come of who is going to pass away in my life next. Because I feel like everyone's just carrying on and we sort of take it out of our heads because it's very, very uncomfortable to really think about losing somebody. Or, but we know, even us, yeah. that there's an expiry date in our lives. Yeah. So for every single person that's walking this earth and then you sort of think, okay, what can I distract myself with to stop thinking about that? Um, so I want to share my experience with denial first. And I would say that the first instance of me denying a, what, what was happening was when my, my stepdad was showing signs of cancer and you know i don't want to stereotype men in any way but we know that men can be very stubborn when it comes to their health um my mum was pushing for my dad to go and see the doctor and you know something's not right you're losing a lot of weight and he was like oh i'm fine don't worry you know he still wanted to really be a man in a sense that there's nothing wrong with me, I am fine, and I'm gonna take care of everyone and be in a position where I don't, I can't show any vulnerability, basically. So I remember I was 
walking around so this is um i would say so when my my when my uh, dad was feeling ill for the first time my sister called me and she said something's not right with dad he was never really ill like that you know when you know those people that get a cold and you know they get over it quite quickly he was one of those people so i never ever really thought of him as being sick but i knew that there was something wrong and he wasn't really eating properly but you know when you have your own life and you sort of think i can't obsess about how others live their life so i need to be able to focus on myself and that's something that i feel kind of guilty about but i also had no zero control over so she said dad's not feeling well but he won't let me call an ambulance and i was like okay so what's wrong with him and i don't know about you but you know when you've never really well for me personally since uh when i lived at home there was really no need to ever call an ambulance like nobody got seriously mm. injured yes, yes. and you know sometimes you go into a and e with your kids and then you come out after because yes. it's like oh everything yes. was actually yes. fine yes. so this was the first time that i would that i've really experienced someone saying there's an emergency dad is like walking around and not um he's not well and he's throwing up everywhere and i've never seen him like it and she said that when he was walking down the stairs he was falling over and and i was like what 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 would you mean and she said he, he and i said and she, my sister my little sister said should i call an ambulance and i said yeah do it mm. do it now and i remember my mom was at work at the time and even my mom was like yeah call an ambulance so the ambulance came and they checked him over and they said okay it seems like he's having a stroke right and my and then obviously they took him away to hospital and he was there for about a week. And um, so my family actually live in the West Midlands. So they live quite far away. And I remember, okay, I'm coming home. I'm gonna see if he's okay. So went to hospital and they said, oh, he had like a mini stroke. You know, when um, I'm not a medical expert, when but when your vitals are sort of okay, yeah, yeah. they sort of think, okay, we're gonna keep you and, um, we're gonna keep you in hospital and just check that you're okay. But they don't really do go uh, deeply into it. They don't do any scans or anything like that. So as far as I could see, when I saw him, I was like, oh, you're fine. Like you had a little stroke, you need to look after yourself, fine, yeah. you know, stop eating junk. But you know, just little um, like minor details yeah. that you think, oh, it might shift things. And then he, uh, and then I went home and I thought, okay, everything's fine. And then, about a month later after that he got sick again and i thought okay something is not quite right here and the thing is when i went to see him in hospital he played it down a lot mm -hmm. and i kept saying to him if you're not well dad you need to say now and he's like no i'm fine he, he i don't think he ever even visited a doctor since yeah, i've known him yeah he didn't he didn't want to sort of be, be vulnerable like mm -hmm. that so i um so after that i went back to london carried on with my life and then he's not well again so i, I said to my, i said to um my sister you need to encourage dad to actually go to the doctor and look into things and see what's going on 
and then he came he went home again and i'm not putting any blame on the nhs because sometimes i, I know it takes so long to get a diagnosis i know that so he got sick again and then i um i've lost my train of thought so he got sick again and then obviously they do, they were doing all the scans and i remember this day because it was so you just never ever forget when you get bad news right you never it never ever leaves your mind so i remember i was walking around the supermarket i think i was in tesco and i was like you know carrying on with my daily life and then my cousin called me and the thing is for um, so my cousin very rarely calls me. We just usually text now and again. And then my cousin calls me and I missed the call. And he messaged me saying, Jenny, you need to call me ASAP. And honestly, when I, I knew what it was about, that's the thing, I knew what it was about and I didn't know. <coughs> and I, that, that I would say that was my first instance of denial because I thought to myself, Oh, I'm not gonna wait till I get home. I'll just call him now, see what he wants. That was my, it's like um, a defense mechanism yeah. to deny something because it's like, it's, it's you're making yourself feel comfortable in not hearing any type of bad news. And then he called me and then he said, Jenny, your dad, something's happened with your dad and we got a diagnosis about, um, about your dad. And, and then I and then I just paused and I, d I remember I didn't say anything and then he carried on and he said Jen your dad's got cancer and I just sort of froze and I remember this moment where so I hear the word cancer mm -hmm. and then I think okay what well what now then yeah, yeah. you know and then I remember everybody kind of because it was um you know in the like busy busiest time in the supermarkets when everyone finished work they're trying to grab yeah, something so yeah. it was so busy everyone was whooshing past me like carrying on yeah, yeah. and then i'm thinking to myself these people around me are not did not re um none of them have yeah. a clue about that's what really i just yeah, heard yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. i just thought to myself yeah. i and that's probably the first moment where i felt so alone in it mm. because i thought to myself well what now well what's next then and then I sort of said, I said to my cousin, I need to get off the phone right now because I'm out and I need a moment to digest this. And honestly, my first thought after I paid for everything, got back in my car. And I remember I sat in my car for about two hours <laughs> after I got told that news because all I kept thinking in my head was that this is ridiculous. Ooh. Like, what what do you mean he has cancer what does what how is that possible because you and the thing is almost um every oh, well, i wouldn't say every day but almost every year in my life i hear about someone getting diagnosed with cancer you never ever think that it would it's happen, happen to you. it's yeah. going to happen yeah. to you and i called i remember i called my mom and she said tomorrow we're going to see the doctor to talk about the scans and how severe it is and you know I was already trying to process how my mom was feeling how my sister was feeling but I never really acknowledged about how I was feeling about it because all I could think of all I could think about was how ridiculous it all is and the thing is the denial actually got so much worse for me because before 
so the next day my mum called me and she said okay it's you know every you know, I'm I'm saying it in a calm manner but everyone was like really obviously devastated about what was inevitably going to happen and then she said okay the doctors have said that he's got about nine months to live and I was like what what do you mean nine months that's not even a year and I said no you know doctors can be wrong in so much denial and the thing is I remember sitting on my bed that night and I was thinking I was googling stuff like I remember I googled yeah. so um I forgot I've actually forgot the name about the specific type of cancer that mm. he had I knew that it was aggressive mm. obviously because he had been given a time about yeah. how long he will survive this so I was googling things like miracle cures oh, yes, stories yeah. and yeah. like yeah. um I was thinking I was googling like people who had this type of cancer if maybe that they that you know a miracle happened and that they had um they were diagnosed to live nine months but they actually lived nine yeah, yeah, years yeah, yeah. things like that and i was just i would say that that was my stage of denial so what about you sabrina i think oh my god okay i've got my stage of denial i think was more with my mum, because she was sick. Well, she was, she was, she was sick, but I didn't, in my head, I'm still in denial from that. I'm like, no, she was fine. Cause she was, like I said, she was an alcoholic. Yeah. She stopped drinking for like about four or five years. Mm. Then she started back drinking again. And then when she started back drinking, her organs started to fail. My mum kept saying, oh, I've got an enlarged heart. I'm going to die soon. I'm going to die soon. So mum's been dramatic. Mm. Going over the top. And she'd always like, you know, be like, you guys have got to come and see me. You know, we, we was always around there every Saturday anyway. But mm. she was a bit, mum's a little bit, I could say she's a little bit of a drama queen at times. We was like, <laughs> no mum, you're fine. Stop trying it. Anyway, this time my mum actually took herself to the hosp hospital. And then I was thinking, oh, okay, she's in the hospital again. Like, so I went to see her. But that day, she was acting really weird. And I was like, mum, you okay? And she couldn't, but she was, they call it the Passover, where mm. they start going, they start passing over to the other place now. Right. So she was speaking like gibberish, should I say? She mm. wasn't making any sense. And she was, she started calling me another name. So I thought, okay, mum. Mm. I thought, all right, she'll be fine. I'm going to come and see you tomorrow. I'm going to bring uh, my little niece with me to come and see you, blah, mm. blah, blah. Then, um get the call now they were meant to call my auntie but they called me and i get the call and they've like um yeah you know janice jacobs passed away i was like yeah right whatever <laughs> right <laughs> i'll tell i'll let i'll call you come back in a minute with that prank like that yeah, was that yeah, kind yeah, of I was, like yeah. i was like what do you mean and i thought no no wait 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 wait, 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 wait. what do you mean they went no you might be no 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 what do you mean so now we have to i have to call my auntie yeah, i have to call auntie. everyone yeah yeah so now I've called my aunt. She's gone out. She's in a rave, bearing in mind. My aunt's in a rave. <laughs> so I'm like, you need to come outside because this is important. And she's like, what? I said, you need to come outside. I've literally going, my mum has, mummy's passed. She's gone. Mm. And then she was like, what? So now everyone's come to my house. Mm. My other aunt has been told, but everyone's at my house. But we're all here procrastinating. Yeah, yeah. So we're taking our time thinking, we've got to go to the hospital. My mum's in the hospital. 
We're like, no, 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 she's still alive. No, it's fine. So I've mm. literally gone and picked up my cousin. Still haven't gone to the hospital, even though I've got this news a whole two hours yeah. later. Gone and picked up my cousin, told my cousin what's happening. I'm still not processing it. All when I've got now, we've got to the hospital, my cousin's gone. She started going crazy, kicking off, switching at the nurses, going, but she was fine. How come yeah. this has happened? Da, da. So I've gone and I'm going, mum, wake up. Mum, you're all right. Like, stop lying. All now, I haven't processed the information. Then my aunt was lying on her, crying and everything. And I was like, oh my God, my younger siblings. Mm. I need to, they, how are they feeling? So mm. now I'm now responsible for my brother. Mm. So I've got to take him on and my younger sister. Now this stage is, I still haven't processed my mum has passed away. Yeah. We've had a funeral. We've had the nine nights. As you know, um, certain cultures, they would yeah. do the nine nights before the person's mm. buried. So we had all this. I still haven't processed it. All like my mum, I've buried her, everything. Still haven't even mm. cried for my yeah, mum. Yeah. A year, two years mm. later, still haven't cried. Haven't mm. This hasn't happened because I've been caring for my siblings. Mm. And can I just add mm. to that? With, with, and that's the thing. When you hear the bad news... Mm. And anyone who probably hasn't experienced anyone dying in their adult life, mm. like when you experience it as an adult, mm. you kind of, before you ex you experience it, sorry, you kind of imagine yourself like crying out in absolute yeah. devastation. Mm. And when it does happen, you're surprisingly yeah. like shocked about how calm you are yeah. and the thing and the reason why you are so calm about it is because it's denial mm -hmm. you're actually denying to yourself what you've just heard yeah. and but and it's not something that is sort of you're not being toxic to yourself it's mm. because it's survival mode yeah and that is because the thing is we live in a time where you know, our ancestors dealt with death in a very, very different mm. way. Everyone lived in communities. Everyone lived close to each other. Whereas we have to hear about mm. death really through the phone, yeah, yeah. through text message. Yeah, yeah. And even down to when they are in the last stages of life, if someone yeah. is suffering, it's become so sanitized and um, I'm trying to industrialize mm. that Oh, um, what's the place called <laughs> that my dad went to when he was p about to pass away? Hospice? In a hospice, hospice yeah. yeah. So he, when, you know, they never had any of that stuff. No, no. So, and that's the thing. That's why you can't navigate how you yeah. really feel about it. And you can't, you're kind of anticipating that moment where when it's going to hit you and you mm -hmm. just don't realize when that's going to be. Mm -hmm. So, um, Okay, so we got a little taste, Sabrina, mm. about your denial stage. Yeah. So we're, we've got a few other stages to get to, so I really, really want to go on to those. Mm. So Janice, do you want to share your denial stage? So I was thinking in my head, oh God, I'm going to disrupt your podcast because I haven't had denial. But the more you guys are talking about it, I think I did. Mm. Um, so at first, we, it was almost like I didn't have any denial. My family are quite brutal with their... <laughs> The way we all coped about it, yeah. my family are literally just, because we've had quite a lot of death, my family are like, mm. oh, I'm going to die. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, they're yeah. like really, yeah, they're yeah. just like that. Like, yeah, it is, it's it's like yeah. a joke because yeah. it's almost like you want to yeah. feel, you know that it's inevitable. So yeah. you kind of want to feel comfortable in that inevitability. Yeah. And to be honest, normally I've managed to go along with that banter until it was my mum. Yeah. Um, and everyone else in the room, my, I mean, my family, 
some people think it's odd, but it's maybe quite like we literally used to. I think I've told you, Jenny. We literally used to be like, oh yeah, you know, when you die, can I have uh, yeah. a bit of furniture? <laughs> <laughs> that is how we are. Yeah. So I guess that is denial. Yeah. But, um, and the thing is, I always joke with my mum. Oh, don't forget to leave a will. Yeah. Uh, don't yeah. don't remember that I'm your firstborn yeah, yeah. and I'm the eldest. But since my dad, I stopped making those jokes now because oh, it's no, like, I still make the jokes. yeah, but I'm the like, thing is, yeah. you're actually mentally healthy enough to really <laughs> make those jokes. But me, like when it brings up this feeling that I don't yeah. like, so I'm mm. like, do you know what? Let me shut myself out and actually not talk about death full stop. Well, see, I literally, literally gave my dad a lecture about two weeks ago of like, have you got your affairs together? I can't lose another parent and right. your affairs not to be together. Um, I actually think it's like one of the last acts of kindness you can do as a parent. Sort mm. your affairs 100%. out. Don't make me scrabble around mm. this stuff. 100%. Um, but anyway, my denial, I was going to, like I said, I was going to say no, I haven't had denial. My family are brutally honest about stuff. But actually, I think, yeah, I, basically when my mum died, I went into this, obviously I had a newborn. When my mum died, mm. I had a newborn baby. Um, so you just and I had a toddler so you just keep on going 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 right. like I you know you don't have time you to don't have time yeah. to breathe I genuinely like like you said when when I got the phone call my kids were doing a madness in front of me and I literally just was like oh okay your yeah. mum's dead oh okay yeah uh, to the point where my husband didn't even know and then literally about half an hour later I was like oh yeah mum died and he was like mm. what yeah. um so definitely some kind of just denial and I agree with that feeling of you're waiting for that grief to hit you yeah. um and I must admit I think it's only just hitting me now mum died a year ago almost a year ago mm. hang on what is it like yeah just over a year ago and I I feel like that grief has only just hit me I think I spent the mm. first year just kind of like I even remember one of my friends bless her her parents, both of her parents died. And I remember her looking at me and being like, are you okay? And me being like, yeah, I'm absolutely fine because I'm doing this and because we're doing my work for a charity. So I'm doing lots of charity work. Right, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And Mm. is this organised, that organised? And she just, I just kept looking at her Mm. thinking, why are you giving me this look of like, um, and anyway, now I get it because um, I feel like I only need to, I think literally in the last few weeks is it's just, literally slapped me in the face. I mean, mm. it slapped me in the face before, mm. but now it's like, mm. Jesus, this mm. is this has actually happened. And for me, I think it's because, well, she's still not here. But mm. Your body's tricking you like, oh, your mum's died, but she'll be back in a minute. Like you're maybe, maybe energetically you're tricked, mm. but they'll come back. Right. Um, and obviously for me in the last year, I've had another death, which was my, my auntie who again was just like such an amazing support to me. Mm. Um, can and we yeah. can we just um mention how your mum died? So mum had pancreatic cancer. Mm. Um so yeah, she had pancreatic cancer. She got given three to six months, um, mm. but she did really well. Well I say well, I hate it's actually a cliche. <laughs> it's not great to have pancreatic cancer, but she mm. lasted two years, mm. almost That's two fantastic. years. That's yeah. Good. So so can we just um talk about sorry, I know that Do this I? is uh, really uncomfortable, mm. but when you heard the final diagnosis and you were giving that timeline of three to six months how how did you feel then did did was denial strong for you at that point no I literally like I said my mum love her to bits but my family like really they're quite honest so Mm. my mum literally rang me up at work and was like hi I'm gonna die like she just Mm. gave me the the tea Mm. on the spot um so no absolutely wasn't in denial it literally was I literally just sat at work mm. and was like fuck 
I don't yeah. know if I'm swearing on here, That's but I was like, And then I got up and had, I think that was probably one of the worst two hours of my life because I got an Uber. Very, very expensive Uber. Mm. Like and the thing is, it's those, it's those <laughs> details that you really yeah. remember, mm. just yeah. like the supermarket, what, you yeah, know, how yeah. you always know where you were mm. at that time and at that point. And it's funny, the supermarket, my mum loved her, also told me about my nan in a supermarket. I was like, oh, mm. thanks for this. So we always laugh, but my mum mm. was like, she was almost, she was so loving, but so brutal in the way her delivery was never mm. like, yeah. sit yeah. down, have a cup of tea. Yeah. No, no, no. She was just like, yeah. anyway. And I, I suppose it's, um, you handle it ba also based on your personality type because mm. if you are a very blunt and raw and no blunt, filter yeah. kind of person, yeah. that is how you're going to deliver bad news. Yeah. It's, there's yeah. no way around yeah. it. You're yeah. not going to sugarcoat anything yeah. for anybody. Whereas with me, I feel like people were, like our whole family was very sort of aware that we shouldn't upset each other or we shouldn't mm -hmm. even to this day mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. it's still so delicate yeah of course you know yeah. and it's mm -hmm. in a sense that do you know what let's just not talk about it because it's more comfortable that way and if anybody brings it up i'm literally gonna blow because mm -hmm. <laughs> you know it's not yeah. it's just and the thing is i don't know if i would prefer somebody just being straight with me but that that's the whole point why i wanted to have a conversation today because I feel like I've never actually had a very mm. real and raw conversation yeah, about yeah. death and grieving. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna move on to anger. Mm. Um, this one I really, really struggled with because my dad was 49 when he passed away. My stepdad was 49 and he, and he passed away literally a week before his 50th birthday and I really sort of, I when he got the diagnosis, all I, rem all I remember was being sort of obsessed about how life can be so cruel and unfair. Cause that was probably the first, it was the first experience of my ad life where somebody died before their time. Mm. And you know, as morbid as it sounds, it, it is true that it's easier to swallow when you know that somebody died because they were elderly mm -hmm. and they've lived their time, yeah. lived their yeah. time. and and that's kind of um that's what i felt really angry about because you know i had my son at the time and my dad wasn't really sort of planning. We weren't planning for anything in particular about the future, but it makes you realize that the little things about spending time with each other. And I'm thinking, what, you, you mean that's gonna stop? That person mm. is just not gonna be there for that moment. And you know, when you sort of have, when you have a relationship with somebody. So my stepdad was somebody that came into my life when I was 10 years old mm. and he was a very humble, kind, and quiet person, really. But it makes you realize that no matter how they, what your relationship is with the person, like the the love and the kindness will just, that's all you ever really remember. And yeah. I remember thinking, what, what do you mean I'm not gonna experience that anymore from him? Yeah. And I was, and that's when the first time that I sort of thought, oh, you know, the death actually might happen because I remember seeing him. I went home a couple of months later 
and he lost loads of weight. And the, the deterioration when it mm. comes to cancer, that's the, that was the hardest mm. part for me because I thought, because you know, you always see somebody healthy and yeah. walking around and you know, they have, everyone has their vices, you know, he used to drink, he used to eat junk mm. food mm. now and again, but you never sort of see it, see the, see it to that extent where they look completely different mm. and almost unrecognizable. Mm. But then you realize they're still exactly the same person. Um, and I just remember, I, I'd only told a few people that this was happening to me. And well, not to me, obviously it was yes, happening to yes. my dad, but yes. I had this person in my life that I knew I was about to lose. And I wasn't really communicating with anyone and not because I felt like I needed to or owed anybody an explanation, but I definitely did not want to talk about it because every time I talked about it, it just made me so angry mm. to the yeah. point where if I was, I'd, I'd be watching TV and like, even like the mention, the slight mention mm. of death or yeah. anybody passing away or hearing bad news, I just turn it off because I can't take, I couldn't mm. take it. And I just couldn't really um, comprehend that this person was in my life and he was in this undeserved position. Like he, you, why is this happening to you? You're such a good person. You're such a, I don't think my set has actually ever wronged anybody mm. in his entire life. And yeah. I was obsessing over that and getting angrier and angrier about that. And I didn't really know how to cope with it. And the thing is, it was coming out in my personal life. I was actually being angry at everyone. It, I, it was affecting how I uh, mothered mm -hmm. my son. It was affecting my relationship with my partner because I just wasn't, and the thing is every time that my partner would try and talk about it or have me feel a little bit of comfort in what I was going mm -hmm. through, I would get mad at him because I'm like, I don't want to talk about mm -hmm. it. Just don't, you know, don't even mention it. It's mm -hmm. not, I, you know, I would just completely isolate myself from the world really. Um, what about you? I'll go to you first, Janine. Uh, anger, where, where, where did, when did your anger start to surface? I, I don't, I mean, I haven't felt angry. It's funny, I think mainly because of my spiritual beliefs, I haven't felt angry about the situation. I don't know why, I just feel like mm. this is just life mm. and it's yeah. something that happens. Yeah. So I haven't been like, I have had that few times I have raged at the universe, like, what the fuck? Mm. Why yeah, 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 yeah. But I think definitely my anger, maybe not anger, more frustration and stress, like you said, it comes out in my mothering, as in, obviously I had a newborn and a toddler. Um, and I, you know, I've had moments where I think, this is so hard, why is this so hard? And I must admit, I think I've underestimated how much my grief has probably affected how hard I have found it. Mm. Um, yeah, I've just... And it's that constant thought about what your mum was missing out on, mm. but absolutely in a sense yeah. that you know you just had kids and because mm. I remember you know we've known each other yeah. for oh, well over a decade and yeah. I remember you saying to me like I just want to start having some babies now yeah. and then and then, I did. and then you did <laughs> and then this happened to you so yeah I, completely... I mean I must admit I don't it's not I don't feel every now and again I feel tinges of rage but to be honest I think my anger if I'm completely honest has come out about from and it's not their fault is I feel a very lack of support and that's my mm. anger as in like certain people around mm. me 
are just absolutely oblivious yeah. to how grief can really affect you. Yeah. Or, or, for example, my anger comes out maybe in a protectiveness of myself, as in, like, no, you can't come around and chat shit to me. Yeah. No, I don't want to do this thing. And actually, I don't want to hear your reasons why I should be doing, right. I don't know, why, I sh- what, like, for example, someone says, why don't you come out, come out, oh, my God, I need to see you. No, mm. that's your need. Um, mm. Same way as when my mum was passing, I was very protective of that space of her passing. Mm. Like, I don't want to hear that people want to come around and see her in her final mm. days. She right. doesn't want you there. Right. Mm. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, Let yeah. us grieve mm. how we want yeah, to grieve. Yeah, yeah. So I think my anger comes out in short bursts like that i'm not angry strangely i'm not angry at the universe you can't you can't point your anger to a specific person or a specific thing it comes out Mm. my tolerance has is absolutely gone yeah like i'm just like yeah i just and in some ways maybe that's good maybe that's a life Mm. lesson for me that i i know when people say i've got no fucks to give but they definitely have some fucks yeah yeah, yeah. i have none like even to the point where i'm just I don't even reply to people's uh, text messages who yeah. are chatting shit. Yeah. And before that really wouldn't have been me. I'd always, I was always, you know, always have like, time for really anything. Try and be empathetic yeah. and listen to yeah. what other people are mm. saying and da 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 da. And or like if I had a bit of a shit friend or a bit of a shit family member, I almost very, I was very good at just thinking, oh, you know, life's not about me. That person's going through a hard time. However, now I think, if I'm honest, I expect more from myself. Yeah. And you don't you're, know. You're not. Yeah. You're not coming correct yeah. and you can just go and i won't tell yeah. you i'll just let you do your mm. thing like you know what i mean so i think that's and that's the thing that, that this yeah. stage if if it goes unsupported and unchecked mm. it can really run away with you yeah. because oh, yeah, almost yeah. every interaction that you have you sort of comparing it to your situation like yeah you know pe- certain people say oh i'm um like you know like my dad's pissing me off and mm. And yeah. then I sort of think, well, at least he's still around. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, and that's the yeah. thing. That that comparison mm. is something that I'm trying to work on mm. because, and not, not even just with after losing someone, it's just when everyone says something in general, mm, like, yeah. oh, well, it, you know. And the thing is, I was doing it to myself. I sort of think, oh, well, there's people that, have lost a child. There's mm. people that have lost, yeah, like when I think about you, you know, you yeah. lost your mum mm. and then your nan and then mm. your aunt. Mm. And then I sort of think to myself, how, do you know what Jenny, like get a grip. But at the same, no, time, at the same time, everyone's going through something. Everyone's Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that and that sort of thinking can actually poison you as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sabrina, what about you? When when did you get angry? Um, I don't, do you know what, like, like you, like, yeah. Because when you, because I lost my mum, I think with that stage there, and you were so young as well, yeah, weren't you? I was young, Twenty-four. Yeah. But I didn't. I don't think I was. I didn't remember probably being angry. However, when I lost my children's dad, now skipping fifteen years later, that's. I started to get the anger where, like, ooh, I didn't feel I had the support. Yeah. Mm. And I didn't feel like people were caring me and understood that I'm allowed to grieve. Yeah. I was with this man for so many years, mm. even if we wasn't together at the time, mm. I'm still hurting. But of why course. can't nobody hear mm. the fact that I'm hurting? Mm. Like I have, ch- I have these children, I have three children that are grieving. I've got to deal with their grief, but then mm. I'm hurting. Where, why has nobody come to me and been like, Sabrina, are you okay? Should yep. we take this? Let's help yeah, you. Instead of, 
penalizing me and you know making me mm. feel guilty for not being with that person or yeah. you know I was I was actually made to feel that way literally I would I went into my shell I just would go in my car drive to Sainsbury's car park you know, <laughs> yeah. lanes, great car park <laughs> and I just would cry mm. and yeah. cry and cry and cry literally punching that steering mm. wheel mm. with anger and being mm. like why can't nobody hear this mm. I am hurting it's just like okay he's passed Okay, his mum, obviously, she's going to feel it. His family yeah. are all going to feel it. My children are going to feel it. But, but not you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was with yeah. this man before my children knew yeah. this man. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I was with this man for years. We grew together. We lived together. We'd done everything. Yeah. And that was my anger right there. I was like, nobody. And I was angry for, I'll say, I've in the last year, I've kind of just pushed it. Mm. But I was literally, I was just and the thing is yeah. when when those feelings arise mm. you're almost getting angrier with yourself mm. because you think oh, yeah i understand that i'm not the one that died yeah yeah and you know obviously the person that did yeah. pass away too early they yeah. have gone through the worst yeah situation of, of all but that yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. and now yeah. yeah and then the thing is and and i remember when my partner called me and yeah. told me that uh, Darren it passed does, yeah. away and I, I remember I was sitting on the toilet yeah. when it happened and and he was crying and I yeah. was like what do you mean he's mm. dead and that's that was another part that's of denial for me yeah. and I was thinking what do you, you mean he's dead me, yeah yeah and and then he was and then I was thinking I need to say something to him. And I was getting angry mm. at myself yeah, because yeah. I was thinking, I don't know what to, to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I was thinking, okay, I, all I said to him was, I need to get off the phone because I need to process what you've just told me. Yeah. And that guilt and shame came mm. straight after I put the phone out because I was thinking, but he needs support. He, he needs my support. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know how to navigate. And the, the thing is, when because there's so many people involved in a death, you don't mm. know how to navigate any how anybody feels because there's almost no time to actually process anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because everyone goes through the different that you know these different stages of grief, but everyone's going through it at, at different at times, time. at different points. Mm, yeah. But you're almost expecting everyone to kind of move on at the same time. And that's where the, you know, the anger kind of came from. But yeah, thank you for that, um, Sabrina. So the next stage is bargaining. Um, and to be to be honest, when I first read about this and I was like, Ooh. do you, what do you mean? Bargain. There's yeah. bargaining, how do you bargain, how do you bargain death? But like save us for another week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but bargaining dead. is, um, when it comes to grieving, I think it's just that, sense of uh, feeling helpless and trying to make deals with yourself or a higher power to say that do you know what this situation is really really shit and I need to do something or to say something that will instantly make this situation better um and I don't know about how you bargained your the situation that you were in but i remember my part of bargaining was when i was thinking to myself oh i'm going when i knew that the inevitable was going to happen i was thinking i'm going to sacrifice every minute that i've got to spend with 
my stepdad before he goes. I was sacrificing mm. myself, my mental health, and to feel as less guilty as possible because I thought that, oh, I could actually fix things mm. before he dies so that it makes me feel better. Mm. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, this way of thinking, it often leads to guilt. And guilt is such a trap door when it comes to grieving. There's, you know, it's almost like it's endless because you sort of think, if I did this and if I did that, maybe things would have actually turned out differently, but it's something that you actually had zero control over, but you don't really think that at the time. Mm. And we have this, I think um, the main the main definition of bargaining is you, you have this illusion that you can save everyone mm. in a sense that even if, you've, if you lost somebody suddenly, then you sort of think, okay, who do I actually need to save yep. or help feel better about this situation? Obviously it's your children's mm. father. Yeah, and yeah. then I bet the first thing that came to mind, how, how is, how, how are my I kids going? Yeah, what it? can I actually do? Yeah. But it's out of your control because- even tell them the news. One was at home. I had one, I had to, uh, both of them I had to call mm. up, two elder ones. That, and they, kids and when, you, when you spoke to them, yeah. could you hear yourself sort to of bargaining the, yeah, with- and, yeah, and to even bargain and try to say the words and being like, how do I do this? Okay, um, let me work it out. Mm, and because it it's you protecting, yeah, you're, you think yeah. you're protecting them, yeah. Yeah, it was it's challenging, it is. Yeah, and I would say as well that with cancer, mm. I was, and the thing is that it's all the what ifs, what if I had done this, maybe he would have been saved. Um, what if the, you know, what is the, what if the tumor had been caught earlier? Mm -hmm. Would he still be alive today? And all these things were just running through my head. And then I, and then it never crossed my mind that Jenny, these, these things are completely out of your control. There is no point in going there because it's already happening. And how can you fix this situation? Because you know, it was, it's uh, it, family wise, it's just me, my stepdad, my mom and my little sister. Mm. And I was so busy trying to think about how my mom and my little sister would feel better about this situation that I wasn't thinking about me and my mental health. Mm. And I was, it, I, I was sort of really making it worse because I would talk to them. And every time I spoke to them, I would just bargain with them all the time. Oh, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna, mm. rather than actually, sitting with them and how are you feeling right now? Like this is such horrible news mm. and just really be authentic in how we're all feeling. But nobody was also doing that with me. Yeah. Everyone mm. was also bargaining with me because yeah, yeah. you know, I lived far away in London. I lived yeah. two, three hours away yeah. in the car and then I, I couldn't always be there. Yeah. So mm. people were trying to say to me, oh, don't, don't worry, we understand you know, like dad will see you soon. Even though in my head, I knew that he was going yeah. soon, but I had a job, yeah. I had my kids mm. and I couldn't just be, but then after he passed away, that was sort of my bargaining as well, thinking if I had just quit my job at the time, mm. it wouldn't have mattered because I would have spent all that time with my dad. But mm. you know, it, it didn't, at the end of it, it doesn't matter it doesn't, how whether I spent yeah, yeah. one day before he passed away or a yeah, hundred days yeah, because yeah. the memories that live in my head are from way before that. 
from the yeah. past, yeah. you know. Um, did I talk to you about bargaining already? No, you can do, you can do anything. I yeah, don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm being lame. I don't know what bargaining I have, if mm. I'm honest. Did you ever say what if to yourself? No, I think I think because my family, like I said, my mum's delivery and that was quite brutal. Mm. Um, I did a bit of bargaining as in, um, oh, maybe she won't have three months. Maybe she'll have two years. Mm. Like my, I did the stupid thing of Googling in the taxi on the way awful. home. like, And the taxi was, the Google, Google for pancreatic cancer is awful. It's yeah. literally like, oh, you know, most people die within, I think it said one to five years. Um, but actually the type she had, it was, like I said, three to six months. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I guess the only bargaining I really did was, oh, maybe she'll have a bit longer. And the same mm. with my auntie Louise. Oh, maybe, maybe Louise will have a bit longer. And it, but, it, I'd, yeah, it wasn't, I think I just accepted that shit. Mm. <laughs> just yeah. like, this is where we are. Mm. Um, it's a very fine balance, isn't it? Be trying mm. to stay positive mm. but I almost sounds silly but I didn't want to fool myself into mm. believing and that takes so much strength so yeah. much strength more than more than you think it does um should we move on to depression oh, <laughs> 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 and the uh, thing is it's really um it's really weird because sad um sadness is the most anticipated part of grieving mm. isn't it but mm. I didn't I wasn't really expecting it to come in in waves like it, it does like it does yeah. yeah it's not something that and the thing is i'm the type of person that i'm very i'm very um susceptible to depression you know mm. i've gone through i would say mild depression in my entire life really but i i felt like since having a child and you know being able uh, having certain relationships in my life which helped me with my depression, I thought I always felt like I'm gonna come out of this. I'm always, I'm, I've always got the strength to not let myself fall so deep in depression. But you know, when you experience death, you sort of think, oh, what? Well, what's the point then? What is the point of my life? Because really, that was when I, because my when my stepdad passed away, he took his last breath, and I was with him, and I was holding mm -hmm. his hand. And that really shifted something in me in a sense that, oh my days, now I actually realize how fragile life yeah. is. Mm -hmm. And it's scary because it's like, okay, so what is the actual point of my life? Because I know that I've got an expiry date mm -hmm. and then it brings up all these questions. And the thing is you don't always want to make it about you, yeah. but those things do, surface like what is the meaning of my life and it can get scary because you sort of think I need to compensate for all this I need to compensate the meaning of my life plus all this grieving that I'm gonna have to do how am I gonna do that um and I would say that my depression showed up in unexpected ways it wasn't cry it wasn't sitting alone at home and crying it was it showed up in overeating mm -hmm. not sleeping well um obsessing about death and afterlife i was doing that so much to the point where if i would find something on social media about death or you know after i would obsess about it to mm. the point where i couldn't I couldn't really function normally. Mm. 
And then it wasn't until after that I realized that, oh, this is actually part of what's happening to me. Um, this is part of why, this is part of the death and the, the grieving because it all fall, relates to myself and falls back on me. But um, Sabrina, did you, do you feel like you went through depression? After my mum, I probably did. Yeah. Went through like proper like depression because she was there for me with my children. Mm. She looked after my two elder ones, helped so I can go to work, school, college, whatever. And then I found, because I couldn't speak about the grief with my mum, like, and I had, that is where I think I went into that depression state of, like, I didn't eat well, yeah. didn't sleep yeah. well. I eat like shit. I started, there's <laughs> yeah. that I started over drinking, drinking yeah. loads of alcohol, like, literally was, just wasn't myself. Mm. Like, I was still doing stuff, still functioning, still taking care of the family, but yep. I just wasn't, and I used to have the thoughts, the suicidal thoughts, mm. like, that's mm. it, I'm, I'm going to take my life, I'll be with my mum, because mm. like, literally nothing could sit properly with me at all like even i'm still going and doing my day-to-day -day things yep. mm. you know but i'll drink a bottle of vodka you know smoke some cigarettes go into work go to literally that was my way of dealing with it and that was for a good about five six years mm. yeah done that so then after than that i don't drink alcohol anymore don't smoke mm. you know it's all good and the thing is you know what's really what's really amazing is that when you See, I knew a little bit about you mm. because, you know, we're family and, mm. you know, we see each other Christmas, yeah, yeah. you know, New Year, all that stuff. But we don't really discuss things to mm. this level. And mm. the thing is, when I first, no, you when don't. you meet Sabrina, yeah. you yeah. you know, you two met for the first yeah. time today. You just never know yeah. what people have gone through. Mm. It's actually, and that's the thing. That's why I do try to be compassionate with people in a sense that I don't know what you've gone through mm. and maybe you are this way you know especially when people trigger me and it's mm. like oh maybe you've actually gone through some really really mm. messed up stuff yeah, you know yeah, yeah. um what about you Janice did you I mean yeah I'm not gonna lie it's not great so I and plus really plus the week. with kids as well mm. and and do you think though that Sorry to interrupt what you were going to say, but do you think that having young kids kind of helped you in a kind of helped you in um, escaping the oh yeah absolutely. the major part of depression? Absolutely. Mm. So like it's so funny. Like I always say to myself, "Oh, you're not depressed," but then when you just said, "Oh, I still managed to look after kids. I still managed to do yeah. this. I still managed to do that," it's like with me. Um, I'll be like, I'm not depressed because I'm still looking after my kids. I'm still mm. showing my kids love. I'm still showing my kids compassion. Yeah. I'm still running a charity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still going to work. Mm -hmm. da -da -da. Mm. So I feel like I, uh, up until very, very recently, I would say, no, I'm not depressed. However, if I'm completely honest, yeah, I've, I'm miserable as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, ugh, I'm very, again, I've been very lucky my whole life. I think I was in this just fairy land where everything's happy and even when mm. things used to piss me off i'd get over it yeah 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 um but then you know i think having three people die in you know less than two mm. years even like say when my nan died it was very sad um she was an amazing woman mm. but she was in her 80s and it was like okay yeah then when my mum died that was like shit that it was awful but i was still in that 
probably in denial. And it was quite funny that I recognised the undertakers. Mm. That's always a bad sign <laughs> when you recognise the undertakers. I remember when you told me yeah. that story. But yeah. literally they were like, oh, it's you lot again. Like, yeah. So, mm. you know, but I was fine. Literally had a newborn. Kind of managed to pull, you know, still think, oh, this is just a blip in life. Mm. You know, it's it's very sad did, that my did, um, did your mum ever meet? Um, she met Ruby. Yeah, she, she met Ruby. She met Ruby. One of the your youngest. Thank God. Yeah, mm. she she met her and she saw her smile. Uh, so how soon did she pass away? Eight weeks. Oh. Eight weeks. Um, so yeah. So but then I must admit, it's almost like a running joke in our family. When Louise passed in September, that was just the moment I think that we as a family, we like I said, we lost all our cups. Mm. So I think mm. even when my nan died and mum died, we st- you still keep up that pretense. But then by the time Louise had died, I remember a lady said to me at her funeral, oh, how are you guys? Yeah, and I yeah. literally wanted to punch her in the face. Because yeah. I was like, how do you think we are? Mm. And I, But with my mum's death, I probably would have gone, oh, fine. But with Louise, mm. I just looked at her and went, are you just fucking stupid? Or, yeah, yeah. And I actually yeah. shocked myself. Because yeah. it was like, God, she's trying to, mm. she's trying to be a well-wisher here. And the thing is, I also think, you know, labelling all these things that you're doing as depression, mm. it's really... Mm it's really hard to explain to somebody that you're just feeling certain things at that moment because I don't want to, I don't want to sort of say to somebody, yeah, I'm depressed. I'm not going to say that because I know I'm not, I know I'm not. And I'm just in robot mode right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember when, um, when people did used to ask me, you know, are you okay? Well, this moment I'm okay. Very yeah, yeah. And, I'm, <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm sort of getting a bit annoyed that people are asking me, oh, what do yeah. you expect me to say yeah, to yeah, are yeah, you yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. because yeah. I am yeah. going to tell you that I'm fine yeah. because I don't, I'm protecting yeah. you yeah. from my sadness. Yeah. So, mm. but I guess when you carry on like that yeah. and everything goes unaddressed, the depression does, that's when depression does kick in. But mm. I would say with, regarding my original question in the sense that has kids helped has, you they have absolutely but it, it gives you that the routine does help with depression anyway mm-hmm. but the way i was mothering was not it wasn't conscious parenting because mm-hmm. i was just in robot mode you just want to keep busy all, to stop yeah. yourself from thinking certain things um okay so acceptance and the thing is, what I'm going to say the word acceptance lightly because sometimes it never comes and sometimes it comes unexpectedly. So I know that at the, at the depression stage, it can sort of feel like that nothing will actually be right again. And of course, nothing will be the same again. You just lost a person that was very immediate to you. Mm. And especially if it's happened for the first time and you're sort of thinking, you know, Will I smile again? <laughs> will I laugh again? When will this be easier? When will this be well, easier? Yeah, when like is it how? Get easier? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you move on from the pain of guilt to healing what's happened? You know, because that's already happened to you. The, the death has happened. So, how do you move on to the next stage, which is healing from that? And the thing is, only now I've sort of realized that you don't actually get over Mm-mm. somebody don't. dying. Don't. You grow around it. Mm. And that's exactly the reason why I feel like now 
I've accepted. Yeah. And the thing is, when um, he got his um, diagnosis and when I knew that we were going to lose my dad, I thought that I accepted it then mm. until I realized that, do you know what? No, you didn't accept it. You just, that was your denial stage. Mm. And this is why I wanted to talk about these stages because you know, I've said these five stages to you all and you can tell me exactly how you were, and you know, you, I think it was the denial stage and you thought that you weren't going through that stage. Yeah, and after, talk, was, after talking like, oh, actually, to us, yeah, yeah you <laughs> yeah. did. Yeah. Um, I remember doing things like, oh, let me book a holiday. Mm. Oh, <laughs> I, I, booked a ho I booked a holiday yeah. two months after and I was so miserable Same. in that holiday <laughs> that I thought, oh yeah, yeah, I've accepted it. And uh, you know, two months later I'll move. And I remember <laughs> it, so was my, it was my, it was my, I was, so my um, dad passed away in July and I was turning 30 in August. Mm. And I remember my partner saying, oh, I, I was gonna organize a, like a surprise party for you for, 30, for your 30, you know, I was arranging this way before this all happened. And I almost felt annoyed with him because I was yeah. thinking, why would you even mention that? I'm not, you know, and then mm. I thought, oh, you know, I'm not ready, but he's like, well, you know, the way you've kind of gone on, it seemed like you were ready. And I was like, no, no, I'm not ready. It's not, it's not the time. And then that's when I thought to myself, oh, okay, I need to actually talk now. Yeah. Because I've been hiding so much of what I wanted to say and it's not, it's just, I haven't accepted it. Mm. And how do I have, how do I now have, um, do I have the, even the tools to accept something? And the thing is, I, I don't know if I still, if I have accepted it, to be fair. What about you guys? You know, accepting, I don't, Darren's one, I haven't accepted that. Mm. That's yeah. still raw. My mum's one, just, just about. Of. Yeah. Last two good friends that I lost. One really good, close, close friend we grew up together. She was my best, best friend. And it'd be a year. No, she's gone a year. Just She died just after my birthday. And then another one died within that same year. Good friends grew up with. Mm. And I think I haven't accepted them. Like the other day, I was sitting on the toilet, as you do. It's always the toilet. Sitting on the toilet. It's always the toilet. Like. Like. And I thought, have I accepted that my friend, wait a minute, I'm not going to see these people again. Yeah. It's, I feel like it takes a while for you I to suddenly yeah. dawn and you're like, oh, I'm like, it's like and coming a year wanna, later. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, oh. Because I don't want to think, like, I'm like, yeah, my children's dad's died, mm. but I don't want to realise that and think about it. So mm. I'm like, oh, he's died, but I don't want to sit there and be thinking, oh my God, he's not here anymore. Because yeah. if I start doing that, it means, oh my God, I've got to deal with it. He's not yeah, here. Yeah. I've got to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. In my head, I've got, okay, do you know what? He's gone somewhere to a better place and he's preparing it for when we all get there. Yeah. It's going to be so yeah. nice. And that's what I was told to do as well again. That's nice. He's preparing it for us because well, I've gone there first. I would have made a mess of it. So thank <laughs> God he's <laughs> gone there. He's preparing it. And that's and that's what I've got in my head. Mm. That I'm going to see him mm. again or I'm going to see my yeah. mum again or see my mm. friends again. And I think also acceptance doesn't necessarily mean that I've accepted this loss and now I'm going to completely move on with my mm -hmm. life like it didn't mm -hmm. happen mm -hmm. I think it's just knowing that you don't have to drown in your sadness mm -hmm. yeah and mm -hmm. it's thinking okay this has happened to me and if I actually 
allow myself to be vulnerable about what's just happened mm. to me, it can, it can get better because it's yeah. so easy to be in a bubble and mm. you just think no one's gonna come into this bubble. I've dealt with it. Mm. And no, I don't need to speak about it ever again. Mm. And mm. it just surfaces now and again. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, what about you, Janice? Acceptance. Acceptance is probably the wrong, and it's still so raw. I mean, it happened a year ago, mm. so. I think, I think one of the things, the gifts my mum gave me is because she was quite honest, mm. it was almost like I was grieving as she was dying. Yeah. So mm. obviously yep. with me, I knew that she was gonna mm. die. Mm. Um, I had some of the best and worst times of my life was the last couple of weeks of her dying because every time I left her, it was like it was the last time I was going to see her. Like, yeah. Can you imagine? Like I think yeah. people don't realise that when, you know, I always thought when people die of cancer, they just go to sleep, mm. <laughs> they look mm. a bit ill, they go to sleep mm. and then they die. But actually, it's it's really brutal. But what my point of saying that is that uh, yeah, I managed to, as she was dying, basically, I was very lucky that she wasn't lucky because it was awful for her mm. but I was very lucky that I got to I spent a good few weeks saying goodbye like knowing that our time was short and really managing to get it out there do you mm. know what I mean so mm. I think that I accepted it although the f it's disgusting the thought is literally disgusting to me like I'm never yeah. gonna see her again yeah, mm. yeah but I managed to have those conversations mm. with her tell her how much I loved her. She told mm. me how much she loved me. And, and the thing is, and then you realize how, I don't know about you, but how little I do it in a, oh, in God. when, when, did I when, tell um, you, when, um, no, sorry, go on. No, go I was on. Saying, did I tell you about the touching? So my mum like was, is not, was not a hugger. My mm. whole family's not a hugger. Mm. And then as she was dying, she literally looked at me and was like, we're gonna have to start touching. Mm. Uh, as in like, and it makes me think, it has changed me because it makes me think now you know, I had some amazing moments where, I mean, it's awful. Like, I literally, she caught me upset once. Mm. We always used to hide it. And she caught me upset. And one of my most hardest memories, but best, was that I literally cried on her shoulder. Yeah. And that sounds like not a big deal, but we didn't touch. We didn't hug. Mm. We, you know, it was a bit of a running joke in our family. Mm. You'd say mm. hello. Or, you, know, yeah. you wouldn't actually hug and kiss. Mm. Um, but but at the same time, you sort of think, oh, I, it makes you realise how little you do it. But yeah, you, you know. you should do it. You, you should do it. That's you should do it. Away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, but I, I remember um, when. So my um, this was you know when when they deteriorate to the point where they can't speak, mm. and this was probably the last chance that I got for my dad to actually reply to what I said to him. And I remember I was coming back from the cinema with my sister, and my you know my dad was in the living room and he could barely move at that time. And I remember seeing him and he was so, it was just so strange seeing him lying down and really not moving. But I thought to myself, do you know what? He is still him in yeah. his body might be failing him, mm. but he's still that person. And then I remember when he came, when me and my sister came and then my sister went upstairs and it was it was at that moment where it was just me and him and we very rarely have those moments mm. in in a like a heart-to-heart -heart moment mm. and I remember I sat down and and he said oh what did you go and see at the cinema and I remember it was Aladdin mm. and I remember he used to say every time me and my sister would watch a film that he was not 
uh, it was not his genre, you know, he liked action films and mm. stuff like that. Like anything soppy, Disney, you know, cartoony, he'd always say, what a load of crap. <laughs> yeah. And I remember he, say, he said it and he said, what a load of crap. And I remember thinking, wow, it's really still you still in you. there. Yeah. And, I remember, and I remember saying to myself, like, Jenny, this is your moment. You, you need to tell him, thank you for everything it's and then so I'm important. so and the thing is that was uh, uh, seriously one of my proudest moments that it I was so glad that I did it because li it literally was mm. my last chance and I remember mm. saying to him dad you know like I just wanted you to know the how thankful I am because I wouldn't be the person that I am today if mm. it wasn't for him mm. he married my mom and he you know supported me as his stepdaughter and he was as close to as a father as I mm. could get, you know. Mm. I'm, I have a relationship with my real father now, but as a stepdad, he was amazing. Yeah. And I remember his reply was, it was my pleasure. Exactly. And You've I was like, and then now, and whenever I think about him now, I don't think about, so when we were in the hospice and I knew that this was going to be his final night mm. and he, and my mom was in the room and she couldn't, my mom was very besides herself. So she kind of took herself out of the situation. I remember sitting with him and he was about to take his last few breaths. And I remember I took my earphones out of my bag and I thought, I don't want to hear it that he's about to pass away. And I was thinking I'm going to just completely block this memory. But then I thought to myself, Jenny, like this is actually such an amazing moment for you. It's actually an honor. It's an honor, it's such an moment. honor. Yeah. And I remember yeah. I held his hand and I was thinking, and you know, everyone at the hospice at the time was, you know, when we all knew that it was the last day, I watched I watched his elderly mom and dad in their 80s and 90s have to say goodbye to their son. And that was probably one of the hardest mm. things that I've ever had to see because some somebody losing their child in general is heartbreaking mm. to even mm. think about it. Mm. But when you're elderly and it's your that it was their young he, my dad was their youngest son as well and I and I remember think like remembering my granddad saying oh it should have been me should have been me and that in itself was heartbreaking and I thought this moment is actually um, this moment is going to stay with you forever mm. don't miss it mm. and I remember like I just quickly took out my earphones because it was like a snap yeah, moment, yeah, like, yeah, it, oh, yeah. the, you, like it was like a light bulb moment. Like yeah. you cannot let this moment pass away pass. from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just took his hand and I remember saying to him, dad, like if you can hear me and if you understand what I'm saying, can you squeeze my hand? And then he squeezed my hand. Yeah, and I remember amazing. thinking, wow, I can't believe that yeah. just happened. And then I thought, okay, so it's still him in there. And I just remember, I just said everything that I could, you know, thank you, I love you, come and visit me sometime. But I didn't really, I don't really mean that, Dad. I don't mean that. Um, but yeah, it was just, when you, what about you girls? When you, when you had that final moment, did you have that awakening in you? Did you have, did you feel a shift? I didn't have the final moment because I had just had a baby and was very overwhelmed. Yeah. And I'm the, actually the only one in my whole family who didn't get to see her pass. But, mm. um, sorry, like I said, I had many moments with her mm. uh, in the last days. Even the, the day before she died, I was there. Yeah. Um, 
And she was amazing. She was still a mum till the end. She yeah. literally at the end was yeah. like, why and it's are amazing, you here? isn't why it? Are you here? Yeah. Go home. Can yeah. you be with your baby, please, Janice? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I was saying to her things like, I mean, it's a bit of a joke because I don't. She wasn't at that point going to last the week, but I'd be like, I'll come back next week. Oh, no, I'll say I'll come back tomorrow, mum, because I was. She lived uh, in Somerset, so it was quite far away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say I'll come back. I'd come back tomorrow, and she would look at me and be like, <laughs> she's so matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Like, she'd be like, or don't. We'll come back next week when I'm gone. Like, it was like a, I mean, it was, I mean, I'm laughing, but she would say, I'd say, I'll see you soon. She'd be like, I hope you don't. Like, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, but and I it really helps when they helps have that, that very yeah. casual, jokey personality, isn't it? Yeah. Because I remember, you know, when we didn't, <laughs> my dad is not a religious person, so he didn't even talk about no, being buried and all that no. stuff. And I remember when somebody actually asked him i think it was my sister like how how do you want to be buried how do you want to be honored dad and i remember him saying just chuck me in the sea <laughs> like don't, don't bother spending yeah. your money all that stuff and it's and now i can laugh about it but at the time i was thinking at the time i was thinking god you're so morbid you know you're about to die but you know at that to this day that's why sometimes i think like the personality just really comes out in these really scary moments mm, you know yeah. mm. what about you see with darren i spoke to him funny enough two days before he passed mm. and we was on the phone for three hours mm. that was a long conversation and it's so funny because what we were talking about was a bit we just talking about life and everything and i said to him i goes you know what we're best friends like i love you for everything you've ever done for me and like he said, yeah, I love you too. You're going to always be my best friend, you know. I'm always there for you whenever you need mm. me. And obviously two days later, that's when I got the call. Mm. But bef- prior to that, he had called me the day before he passed, actually. Mm. But I missed the call. Mm. And I'm glad I didn't get it because that would have ruined the last And you've moment. had a nice last moment. We had yeah. the last moments. And that's why I always take with me those last, mm. that last conversation that we actually had. Was amazing, yeah. Mm. yeah. It's so like my nan. Sorry, to yeah, that's right. My nan saying goodbye. Um, this is what I mean about don't think you're too cool for touch and mm. hugs mm. and stuff. Oh, so when my nan um, passed away, my nan was like, I love her, but she's always every time we used to leave her house, she'd stand at the door and wave until we've driven away. Mm. And we used to take the piss out of her and be <laughs> like, God, why is she coming to stand and wave? Like mm. even my mum used to be like, Should we stand and wave? And now I think. Why did you think you were too cool to see your nan mm. stand and wave? So anyway, my <laughs> last moment with her, actually, my last memory of her is of her standing and waving goodbye. And mm. I think, mm. what an amazing, mm. yeah. just feels like such, it was a memory of her mm. being so happy mm. and that she loved us so much mm. that she used to stand and wave. And just like, mm. it's silly it's things so like that. Like, I used to think I was too, it's like I thought I was too cool mm. for that. Oh, mm. my nan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> too cool for that. Yeah. Let your nan stand yeah. and wave goodbye. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, but that's a lovely memory that I've got in my head mm. now. Um, and why was I such a moron before? Like, do you know what I mean? Mm, that's lovely. Um, okay, so I joined this um, online forum about grief, and I made a co- um, I put a comment on there saying I'm, I'm about to do a podcast about grief, and has anybody got any questions? And surprisingly, a few people have actually got in touch mm. and want our advice. Even I read this letter very quickly, mm. but it's um, it's not we can't really relate to it. Well, maybe we can actually, 
but I definitely think that we should give our perspective on it. So this is somebody who wrote in. Um, I forgot her name, but I won't actually say her name just in case. Mm. Um, just in case she wants to remain anonymous. Uh, where is it? Sorry, it's not coming up. Oh, here it is. Okay, so. She titled it, How Do I Grieve Someone I Hated? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, my stepdad passed away from liver cancer two years ago. He was married to my mum for 15 years, and he came into my life as a stepfather at the age of 30. A few years after my own dad died in a car accident when I was 10. I have had a very hostile and cold relationship with my stepfather for as long as I can remember. He was an alcoholic who refused to seek help and I witnessed him be physically and emotionally abusive to my mom for more than a decade and the memory of this has stuck with me to this day. This may sound horrible but I was secretly pleased to hear that he was dying as this could hopefully mean that my, my mother and siblings could start to heal from the years of pain and abuse that we endured as we were going to be well shot of him. However, this perception has greatly offended my mother as she feels that my lack of grieving has been extremely disrespectful and I have handled his death in a manner that she deems morbid and cruel, adding that I do not understand the trials and tribulations of marriage and trying to move on from all of this is far too soon. All of this has strained our relationship greatly and contributing to my mom's sadness is not what I intended. Is there a better way for me to approach this? I am very surprised that she told her mother this. Mm, <laughs> like, mm. you just keep that yeah, in your head? Yeah. yeah. Um, if it was me, I mean, I've had a similar, not me, but one of my mm. good friends had a, a, a similar situation. Same thing, the person who died was, she didn't like. Mm. Um, and what I would, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but what I would say is accept your own feelings. Mm. You've got to, they, your feelings are what they are, but obviously you've got to give your mum grace. Yeah. Um, because she still loved that guy, you know. Yeah. Um, but doesn't mean you have to change your perspective and start mourning. Mm. It just means, yeah, maybe time. Time. time yeah. I think you give need. your give your mum and your siblings grace to grieve mm. him and love him. Mm. You don't have to point out all his many many flaws. Um, just keep them in your head and tell them in years to come. <laughs> that's <laughs> really that's really good like, advice. What about you? She's, she's actually grieving. That's what it is, and yeah. she's yeah. been grieving mm. him before he even died. So yeah. that's why she's going through the anger stages and, mm. you know, the acceptance and the, you know, that mm. bit there. And obviously she's grieving for her family. She's obviously her mum. Mm. She feels mm. hurt and upset mm. and disappointed. She probably could have only would say more to him, mm. you know. That's probably why she's angry. Mm. Like, you know, saying mm. that to her mum, that is her way of dealing with And trying to accept and her And trying to accept yeah. her hurt. Yeah. However, like you said, you're feeling that way, but you know, even if you go and speak to somebody mm. about it, and just tell you, try and be there for your mum and your sister, mm. whoever. Mm. But just because they're what matter now. That is mm. what matters. Gone. Yes. They matter. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I would say as well. I mean, you've pretty much covered mm. what um what I think needs to be said, but I would say that when it comes to abuse of any kind if you've experienced that in, in your life, it surfaces in some way. So I would say that you need to take every opportunity when your mum is ready mm -hmm. 
to discuss what happened to her mm. because she ca cannot shut that out forever. She mm -hmm. can, she could mm. try to, but she will never heal from it. Yeah. But I do think that, you know, as, as everyone's getting older, as you lose a lot more people, these things come into light. Mm. And when your mum gives that little bit of vulnerability to talk about stuff, approach it with kindness and love mm. always. What she's probably really saying about this is, okay, he's dead, but what about me? Mm. What about all right. the things he's he did right. to me? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear that this guy's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So what yeah. she's saying yeah. is, you know, what, mm. what about my feelings? And plus also, actually, I know she'll be listening because I told her to start following everything that we're doing. So I know she'll be listening. And I would just like to say that it's not wrong. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely not wrong, not wrong to mm. feel what you're feeling. Mm. Yeah. And also because you've lost your own father, mm, exactly. that really p plays a massive part in yeah, how you're feeling all, all of yeah. this, you know. I couldn't relate to it because, you know, I absolutely adored my stepdad. Mm. And I, you know, sometimes do wonder what ha would happen if I actually lost someone that I didn't like. Mm. And I wouldn't know how to navigate that. Yeah. I wouldn't have the tools to even deal with stuff like that. So it's not alien that you're feeling like this. Mm. It's absolutely fine. And you need, time is everything. You need to give it time. Um, okay, so I also have some questions here. I've actually had these questions in my mind for absolutely ages. And I've never had the opportunity to actually discuss it with anyone. So there's four questions here. Someone's gonna have to do two. So do you wanna take one, read it out and we'll answer it. Yeah. Okay, how did you feel when the queen died? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is controversial, I don't think on this podcast. So to, I, I'm not gonna go into the colonialism stuff. We're gonna park all that, but you know, I'm a mixed race woman. <laughs> anyway, but whatever really pissed me off is she had the cheek to die the day after Louise. And it, my auntie. Your and auntie? It really pissed oh, me no. off. Because oh, I had no. all these people on Facebook being yeah. like, what a fantastic woman. I even had a family friend be like, we've lost such an incredible woman. And you know, I read it as, oh my God, how kind of her talking about my auntie. And then I read she <laughs> about the queen. And I honestly, I honestly yeah. had, and you know, yeah. and I, oh, it actually caused a controversy in our yeah. house as well, <laughs> uh, on our family WhatsApp group, because yeah. one of our family members put, oh, I hope, oh my God, I hope she's not listening. But anyway, mm. they put, I hope she, um, mm meets the queen on the stairway to heaven. Oh, and honestly, <laughs> number one, my auntie was not a royalist and yeah. she probably would have pushed her off mm. the stairway to heaven. So yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. And that's the bit. thing, I'm not yeah. a royalist either, but yeah. I guess. But of course for her grandchildren. Yeah, of course, yeah. Absolutely. And that's yeah. the thing, and uh, the, what I actually wanted else, to, uh, I didn't, she's yeah. Still yeah. She's still a man, yeah. And that's why I wanted to ask the question really, because I know it can be quite quite yeah, <laughs> controversial yeah, yeah. and yeah. the first thing that I that came into my mind was but hold on she was like 96 lived a mm -hmm. life full of privilege died of old age, she apparently. was rich like you know she got really got to live a full yeah. life and my dad wasn't even 50 like come yeah. on but at the same time that compassion kicks in because you know of course, the you know yes. yeah the yes. the everyone else get yeah. yeah and then <laughs> it, it just makes you realize yeah. yeah yeah and that's and it makes you realize that grieving is not 
subjective mm. because everyone's heart does stay broken and yeah. it doesn't matter who you are, how much money you've got, it makes, and that's a, that's why I think people really, really invested in it emotionally because they related to it because yeah. everyone is, you know, but I would say with that is that don't feel like you are too, somebody is more important than you mm, when it no. comes to grieving because, you know, her status actually has nothing to do with it. She still died, yeah. like we're all going to. Yeah. So, but 96 you know, is good. Yeah, 96, 96 is, is great. 96 is great. 96 is yeah. good health. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're 100. Yeah. Uh, Serena? How did you na navigate and discuss the loss to your children? And what is their emotional relationship about the death today? About death today? Um, can I answer that? <laughs> you can. You can go you, first yeah. if you want, yeah. That's a heavy one. Yeah. It wasn't is. a sorry. Yeah, it wasn't no, as no, light and hearted. Like, as my no, queen no, one. Yeah. Yeah. Queen, you sorry. Know, easy. <laughs> but, um, did I need to talk about Yeah, as you know, the, obviously the children's dad, he was the one who passed away. Hmm. And, um, yeah, just giving them that information is mm. the most trickiest thing ever. However, you've got to remember, children's brains are totally different to yeah. ours. Mm. So they process things a lot different to how we do. So I'm worried about, oh my God, how the kids going to feel, how they're going to deal with it. Whereas they're probably like, you know, I'm doing my day-to-day -day life, it's fine. I'm fine, yeah. Mm. I'm fine, however, but then, now my daughter, she's at the age of 21 at the time, she was 18. Mm. Like, my dad ain't here, he's not gonna be here for my wedding, he's not gonna mm. be here for my first child, he's not gonna be here to, you know, and that was where it, I realized that is, they're feeling it, and they still mm. are, the children are grieving. Mm. But with you as well, what I think, it's not a good mm. thing, but you, also can relate because you were very young. Yeah, yeah. With your mum. Yeah. Mm. So. And then we do, we talk quite a lot. And when I speak to the children about their dads or whatever, we just talk normally, like, mm. yeah, you know, like, mm. your dad's hair, like, I went to see a, what's what them people called? Um, yeah, I went to see one of those and she was, God, I, I don't believe in those things. But when I saw her, she was telling me things. I was like, oh my God, how do you know this? How do you know yeah. that? Because you told her, yeah. How do you know this? I'm like, oh my God, this is really helping. Yeah. But I told them went to see this person and they were saying, your dad's care to you, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But yeah, they are still going through it yeah. in their own little ways. Mm. And we do, the younger one, I find he doesn't really say much mm. with regards to his dad. He doesn't like we talk about him. Say, well, you know, your dad would love this or da da da. But he just kind of doesn't really talk, yeah, talk on it too much. Yeah. But the older ones, they yeah. were like, you know, mm. they play his tunes. There's oh, daddy mm. used to do this, daddy used to do that. And the thing is, it's it's that as a parent, you kind of want to fix it for them mm. in a sense that you want the pain to go away instantly. Mm. But the thing is, they're gonna be our age. Yes. And they're mm. going to have their own discussions and mm. their own way of accepting what happened to them. And yeah. we have to really allow that, you know. Yeah. Mm. Um, Janice, we can, uh, we talked about this briefly actually when we had a conversation the one time, but we were talking about our children's relationship with death. Mm. So mm. my son was four years old when my dad passed away and one of i don't know if regret is the right word but it could have gone better but i remember i took him to the hospice and 
he saw mm. his granddad in a state that he's never seen of him, him mm. in. And I could tell yeah. he was only four. So trying to get him to accept what he's just seen mm. was really hard. And I wish that he never really saw that because I wanted him to see my dad in a healthy state. Mm. And that was, you know, his that need needed to be his last memory of him. Yeah. But to this day, he's eight now and he's he still asks the question, mm. what happened to Granda? Why did he look that way? Yeah. And I have to go through that whole conversation about cancer, which is uncomfortable for me mm. anyway, but it yeah. needs to happen because he was in that situation mm. where he saw certain things that he was really too young for. Mm. And it's, I'm finding, I'm trying to find ways to give him a healthy relationship when it comes to death, but it's really hard to navigate. What about you, Janice? Oh, and also, can I just add one thing? He's <laughs> also he's also very worried about dying. He Same. Oh my yeah, God. He, always, yes. he always yes. talks about dying now because mm. now that he it's knows what it means, what, yes. you know, he yes. he has his way of accepting it in a in a heaven perception. Mm. You know, I always talk about heaven. Mm. I don't really. I'm not invested in it like that religiously but mm. i feel like it helps because mm. it's sort of like a quick answer yeah, to like where where yeah. yeah where does it go what mm. happened where you know mm. where does uh where's granddad gone mm. and you don't sort of want to be morbid and say well he's just dead yeah. like nothing's yeah. you know where yeah, yeah, he's yeah. nowhere to be fine exactly. now you know yeah janice gone how did i handle it with kids um so i thought i handled it well but i don't think i did <laughs> mm. um because jacob we were very we didn't let him see mum in the hospice because he started to say things like why does gran look like that mm. stuff yeah. like that um mm. so we kind of for the last couple of weeks we didn't uh ruby screamed down the hospice with me mm. Uh, mm. <laughs> so mum got to see her but anyway um i told jacob obviously he's had three deaths in a short time um and initially, with all of them, he seems very unbothered, just kind of like, oh, okay. But what happens is afterwards he talks, like maybe months later, he starts talking about it a lot. And he um, mm. had quite a big problem at school because, long, very long story short, he basically thought that when you get ill, you die. Mm. Um, so I explained to him that, yeah, you know, when you get ill, you get when you're old, you mm. die, blah, blah, blah. Explained all that. But it left, it meant that at school, when he felt a bit sick or something, he basically thought he was going to die. <laughs> yeah. And um, him. this, before this week, honestly, it took me months to realise what, you know, he wouldn't, he didn't want to go to school. It took us such a long time for him to settle in until one night he just declares, am I going to die at school? Mm. And I realised that mm. he basically just saw, right, mm. you get a cold, you die, you get, mm. I hadn't sat him down and mm. explained. I still haven't said the cancer word, but mm. now I have explained you have mm. to be severely ill. And the thing is, when you when your children are in the front seat of knowing what death is, mm. it kind of makes you realise how childlike your responses are when mm. it comes to death as well. Because you don't know what's it's going yeah, on, yeah, really. Yeah. So it makes you realise that you don't know what's ha going on either. Mm. And you need you and you don't get taught this stuff in school. No. That's the thing. You don't. No, Nobody you tells you. It's the thing he probably should have been. We should have all been taught this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Before yeah. it happens, and then what it happens. You're in crisis. Mm. You know. Mm. And um, I just also want to point out about Ooh. this interesting fact that I found out. That so you know your living room. Ooh. So you know 
posh people might call it a lounge mm, yeah, yeah. or you know your dining room but yeah. your living room yeah. but um so back in uh the first world war the living room was actually called the death room oh God. Oh, wow. because um disease diseases and war led to a lot of deaths obviously and the living room well the death room was actually used for open caskets so people would go and pet this that's how people used to grieve they used mm. to actually go into people's homes and yeah, see, see death yeah. right in mm. their face like you know a dead person and even children and i remember because i used to live in the philippines and we used to do that as well yeah, yeah. and i remember when i saw a dead body i was like oh what's that yeah. you know yeah, it yeah, was yeah. just and the thing is i never saw another one until i i witnessed my dad pass away and that's the thing it's become so sanitized that it's now so uncomfortable to even mention it mm. did they did, but did you do that <coughs> sorry to cut you did you do that for your dad did you have the open no no i didn't too? even want to see him you yeah. know when they pass away mm -hmm. and they go to the morgue and i didn't even do that because mm -hmm. I, I was like no that's too much for me mm -hmm. but back then it was normal it was normal yeah. and yeah. people lived in smaller communities where people pay their respects to each other and you don't have that anymore no you pay res your respects at a funeral it's all yeah. so quick now it is very it's quick so you know quick. it's yeah, yeah it's just uh and i think that's why grieving is so hard now um we because it's not go on, sorry, go on, go on. no sorry yeah, yeah and because obviously we haven't i mean there's um there's things that have happened in the past where there's been a lot of deaths but it's quite sanitized in this country mm. in a sense that we don't really go through diseases and wars mm. like that mm. So whenever a death happens, it's kind of, okay, it's yeah, we know it happened. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. not a tragedy. No, it isn't. It's like yeah. a party. Like, yeah, someone's just died. Yeah, yeah. But in love, and then people's putting up on their social medias, yeah. mm. RIP, mm. because then they don't really know these people. Mm. Oh, God, yeah, it drives me crazy. Yeah. Although, I can I just say, I think Nine Nights are great. The Nine Nights is yeah. like a big soiree. My mother-in-law, <laughs> my mother-in-law, I swear to you, it's like her social life. She's going to kill me. That's like, that's like my, yeah. like my oh, Should I say to her, what are you doing? I'm going to this funeral. I'm going to this funeral. I'm going to get myself some food. I'm for this funeral. And I suppose that's our way now of going, like, according to our culture, like your culture, the that's our way of connecting and mm. grieving now. But at the same time, you still go home and you still sit alone with these thoughts. Yes, what yes. do I do with yes. these yes. thoughts these now? Thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, final question. Um, Serena, do you wanna? Can you think of something that you said to someone who was grieving that you now feel was the wrong thing to oh, say? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, go... I, I'll go first, yeah. if that's all right. Um, because I actually, this is, I've never actually said this to my sister yet, and this is now my opportunity. Um, firstly, I just wanna say sorry to her because when my dad passed away, and the thing is her relationship with my stepdad was very different. She, it was her real dad. Mm. She's been with him since she was born. She was a true daddy's girl. Mm. And they did really everything together. And I remember, and my sister was six months pregnant when, my, when our dad passed mm -hmm. away. And when all this was happening, I actually sort of like scolded her too many times because she was showing a lot of vulnerability and, and I don't wanna say the word weakness, but to me it looked like weakness at the time because she would, everything would just set her off mm -hmm. and then it would set my mom off. And I didn't want that responsibility of soothing them. So 
I really was not very compassionate towards my little sister. And I said a lot of wrong things to her because I didn't know how to deal with it myself. So my anger and my denial was, it was absorbing, yeah. Like she's crying, oh, maybe I should be crying. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And I remember I shouted at her the one time and that will always stick with me. And after this, I'm really gonna talk about it more with her, but it's something that, um, I don't wanna use the word regret, but it's Mm. something that I need to address Mm. because Mm. I know I handled that remember Wrong. you were grieving too yeah exactly like you were going yeah something too. like obviously i think your sister would appreciate it mm. but remember that you were being yeah. the madness as well yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. um what about you guys uh, i have <laughs> one of my good friends i love her uh, her dad died and i sent her a love heart emoji on facebook oh. and that is it <laughs> <laughs> that is it and then oh moved along with my day and yeah. then when i saw her you know i was empathetic but i was like oh your dad died oh mm. isn't that bad Anyway, back to me, do you yeah. know what I mean? So, and now she has been so kind with me. Mm. Um, I just think, wow. That, I mean, it's fine to send a love heart emoji, but what I mean is mm. you are just so... Wrapped up. Yeah, yeah so oblivious. In yeah. Your, oh, poor, I'm not going to say her name, but oh, mm. poor friend. Love heart yeah. emoji. Yeah. How are you, babe? Do you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. Um, but just you being aware of that, yeah, yeah, I it to her and she yeah, like, yeah, you're yeah. a dick. But <laughs> what about yeah. you, Sabrina? I'm trying to, do you know what? I'm literally trying to think because I'm always nice to people. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll be there, but I don't know. I'm trying to think, have I said anything? I'm trying to just think, maybe my children. That's normal, really. Like, yeah. don't you know? It's just the norm. Yeah. Mm. I'm trying to think, maybe I've. That's why I let you go first. I'm like, literally, <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Yeah, it's yeah. like, did I say something bad to my child? Maybe, Maybe you said all the right things. I could, like that. But then I could have thought I was saying the right things. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody hasn't said, but maybe that's something. Have said uh, that. like, now that we've had this conversation, mm. you can ponder over mm. it and then, you know, yeah. sort of heal it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, um, we need to wrap up now. Yeah. But this conversation was amazing. I actually feel better oh, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. How, how do you feel after? Is it, would you say that this is the first time that you've discussed grieving in detail, or have yes, you? Yes, but I also think that uh, it's almost like once it's only like the tip of the iceberg. Like yeah, there's so, so, there's so much to unpack. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's been nice it, yeah. to talk about it in like a really open way. Well, mm-hmm. None of us really cried, like no, you know. No, no. And I think that's we're on our way that's to accepting and healing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was. It, I was really nervous. I was thinking, oh my gosh, you're gonna speak. No, it was so she natural. Yeah, <laughs> literally, you're like. It was so natural. It is, yeah. but I yeah. believe I feel that yeah. we should speak with each other after. Yeah, of course. What's gonna happen is we're okay now. Yeah. yeah. But we've discussed things, and now it's so we're gonna things are gonna surface, room, and yeah. it's gonna yeah. surface. We've yeah. triggered certain things. Yeah. And it's gonna on surface. the train crying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just go to a car park. It's fine. You don't heal what yes. you don't reveal. Yes. So we are. We did the right thing, I think. Um, just a final word mm. from me, really. Um, like I said before, uh, grief is not something that shrinks over time. It's something that you grow around and you learn to accept in your own way. Mm. You don't accept it in this in no way the same way as everybody else. Um, it's very easy um, to fall into the illusion that you can control about, that you had any control about what happened to you, about Mm. um, what was inevitable or the shock of something happening to you unexpectedly. You had no control over that. 
Um, try not to be accustomed in misery mm. because especially because misery is as addictive mm. as alcohol mm. and smoking. So try to reach out. There are always people to talk to. There's always someone to relate to. It's not something that is subjective to each person. Everybody, literally every single person that you mm. know is going through it or has is about to. And I know that sounds really negative, but we need to be realistic. Um, there's uh, gratitude to be found in loss and tragedy, meaning that you can look at it in a way how, of how it shifts you as a person. How can I how, how can I make this situation help me and help others? You need to be in service when it comes to things because you know you know that being kind and being helpful to other people brings you joy anyway you mm. need to relate this these incidents to um of how you can be in service to others and um i just want to close with this because it's something that i didn't actually realize before and it's so obvious when we close our eyes and we think about our loved ones we can really still feel them mm. in our heart can't we and we yeah. can we know what their voice sounds like. We know all the memories of how they're kind. And that's what I mean about your emotional connection to somebody. It was never physical. Mm -hmm. It was always, always emotional. Mm -hmm. And you can have these moments where you almost feel like the person is here with you. Obviously they're not, mm -hmm. but connection is emotional and that person is proud of you and is glad that you're on your way to healing things yeah. so thank you ladies yeah, thank, thank you this is amazing thank, thank you so you. much thank you